everyone, Rowan Odom here. We're pleased to showcase Dark Dice, a free horror actual play podcast. Chills and thrills await in this creepy campaign, brought to life with a fully original soundtrack. Follow the heroes as they try to survive the exhaustion, stress, and cold in Domain of the Nameless God, the show's first season. Each new season will follow a new story and cast, including a mix of first-time players and folks you might recognize, like Jeff Goldblum, Lily Pichu, and Jasper William Cartwright. Combat is edited to be condensed and enjoyable, while still playing true to the dice rolls. Every terrifying monster feels like it's actually in the room with you. Dark Dice is available for free however you listen to podcasts, or at darkdice.com. So ask yourself, do you seek him? This episode is brought to you in part by BroadlyEpi.com. Whether you want to level up your public health or programming skills for free, want to rent a scientist, or just keep up to date with some of the latest research in public health, go check out BroadlyEpi.com. They also offer custom software solutions for both quantitative and qualitative data analysis and have some tools ready-made on the website. BroadlyEpi.com. Epidemiology, broadly speaking. Hello, listeners. This is Ty Vaughn, writer for Syntax and voice of Silas Caldwell. I'm thrilled to showcase our sponsors, the exceptional creative software suite, World Anvil. World Anvil is the one-stop shop for tabletop gamers, fantasy and sci-fi authors, or world-building enthusiasts who just can't wait to start getting some thoughts down. This is far from just a wiki editor. They have a number of tools and features available, including world-building templates, an RPG campaign manager, a novel writing and publishing tool, interactive map builders, timeline builders, and more. Your vast web of outlines, character plots, and family trees has a home waiting on World Anvil. Check out the full features using the link below or by visiting worldanvil.com. Subscribe using the promo code in the description of this episode and you'll get 51% off an annual subscription, and you'll be directly supporting the creation of TSP Network shows. Thanks in advance for checking it out. Brought to you by Twin Strangers Productions. Wasting Company Time presents Tell No Tales Episode 3, Part of the Family
Audio Diary of Leo Quinn, assistant to Frank Williamson, and terrible, terrible friend to Riley Matkins. Ugh. I had to tell them part of the truth in the end. Not enough to explain exactly what I'm working on, or why, just that I'm working on something techie, and that I need to gather as much EMF data as possible to get it to work. It still felt like a lie, though. And, despite it all, when I got into the office this morning, there was a file on my desk, part hidden beneath my keyboard and mousepad, with a little sticky note on it that just said, This one won't get you caught. I'd like it stated for the scientific record that Riley Matkins is a better person than I'll ever be. My platonic soulmate. My one true bestie. God, I really hope these notes don't ever have to go up as evidence in a formal court or anything. If they do, Riley's definitely getting the transcript somehow. That'd be very them. And how embarrassing would that be? We don't say nice things to each other. Our love language is eat glass and die, bitch, said with a smile. Just in case, though, thank you for the gift of files and friendship, Riley. If you're reading this illegally obtained transcript from a court of law, hopefully my plan's worked and we've gone freelance together on some ghost outreach program or something by now. Ugh, nope, nope, Leo, stop. One step at a time. Let's take a look at this case file. Huh. Weird. Case NA number 1704. Category 3, unconfirmed. Case status, report received. This is a strange one. Three individual tips submitted over the last few years, starting in 2017. The first is from a plumber who visited the home to fix a burst pipe. He reported sightings of knocked over tools, floating pens, and clattering from unknown sources while he worked. The second was a delivery guy, says the door opened by itself before the food was taken from him by unseen hands, hovered for a moment, then was promptly dropped just in time for a woman to come rushing out of the bathroom in a towel scooping up the food with frantic apologies before she ushered him away and closed the door. The third? Well, the third is unusual. I'll just read the transcript of the call. Better place customer services, how can I help you? Hi, hello. Uh, Do you take anonymous tips? What is this regarding? My... Well, the thing you need to understand is that my daughter is a very respectable woman, but her, well, her life partner is a bit odd. She calls herself a witch, and she messes around with all of those things, you know, the cards and the Ouija boards, and, well, it's important you know this before I begin. This is likely her fault. But, well, I think they're home. Uh, They moved in a few years ago with my grandkids, a lovely little masonette in Islington, Shouldn't have been within their budget, but Lynn told me it was an absolute steal, which, in hindsight, it makes sense now, but... Essentially, I believe they're living with a poltergeist. 
My granddaughter, the eldest, she's getting too old for imaginary friends now, almost ten, but she often talks about a man called Stephen. I think possibly she forgets herself, doesn't mean to mention him, as when I press her on the subject she goes quiet. I don't visit often, usually Lynn comes to visit me, but the few times that I've dropped by the house there have been... incidents. A lamp toppling over in an empty corner of the room, a table shuddering like it's been bumped into, and I swear, the one time I dropped by unexpectedly, Cara, my daughter's partner, was playing chess alone, and the pieces were moving of their own accord. I'm willing to pay whatever it takes, just please get rid of this... whatever it is. Mum... I'm afraid if you aren't the owner of the property, you aren't able to authorise us to send dispatches. All we can do is attempt to reach out to the homeowner. If they are willing to grant us access, then we can be in touch with you regarding billing, but... No, no, you don't understand. This is the problem. They won't hear it. It's Kara with all of her... You know, her interests. She's gotten in their heads. I'm sorry, ma'am, but once again, all we're able to do at this stage is reach out... This is ridiculous. My grandchildren are in danger here. Do you have a manager I can speak to, or a complaints department? <clears throat> uh, so there's more to the transcript, but it's uh, it's actually kind of painful to read. It's mostly just poor Beth from the complaints team making comforting sounds and explaining the same thing back to her. Customer services did try to follow up with the two women who own the house, but they were apparently told never to contact them again. I could get into a lot of trouble for this, if anyone finds out I've taken the info from this file, but... God, it just seems worth the risk, doesn't it? He was playing chess! He's just so... adjusted! Not a chance in hell I'm passing this up. Frank's in a meeting right now in the conference room down the hall, but he'll be back soon, so... I've gotta go. But I'll be going to check this out straight after work. Holy crap. Last night, after leaving Cara and Lynn's, I forgot to even take notes. I just went straight home and stayed up late going through the data I managed to collect. There was just so much of it. Holy crap. Okay, okay. <clears throat> okay. Let me start at the beginning. So, I went to Islington after work, and I didn't really have a game plan, which in hindsight, yeah, a bit daft, but whatever. I knocked and... A tall blonde woman in one of those like badass power suit get-ups answered and she just looked at me like, hello, can I help you? And I'll admit I blanked, just kind of blurted out, hi, my name's Leo. And she just kept looking at me and okay, look, I panicked, okay? And I told her that I worked for Better Place. And of course, she just went instantly hostile. I thought we told you people to leave us alone, she hissed before craning her neck back into the house and shouting for Kara. A smaller woman with short lilac hair appeared down the hall, smiling a little in confusion until the taller woman, Lynn, I assumed, turned to her, nodded her head at me and said through gritted teeth, Better place. The pleasant look on Kara's face was gone too then. I did hurry to save the situation. Sorry, no, listen, please, I've, uh, I've gone a bit rogue, actually. That didn't do much to make them look any more welcoming, if I'm honest. So I pressed on. I think I... Sorry, I think 
we're on the same side. The report we received said you and your partner... Wife? Lynn corrected. Oh god, sorry, of course. Well, the report said you live with a Category 3. It kind of sounded like you live in... Harmony? With it? Him, I mean... Stephen, was it? I'm not here to try and get rid of him. I'm working on... What report? Kara asked suddenly, which... My bad. Really just working my way through a checklist of GDPR rules to break here? Who else? Lynn rolled her eyes. My mother, of course. She called Kara my life partner, right? I, uh... I really shouldn't say, I admitted. I kind of shouldn't have had access to the file in the first place. Why are you here, Kara asked then, and for the first time, I saw curiosity just starting to battle with suspicion. I took a deep breath, and I tried again. I don't think we, better place or anybody, have a right to remove ghosts the way that we do. I don't think all ghosts are dangerous, and I'm working on a device that will allow me to record the statements of spirits, so that I can prove it. I think Stephen can help me get some of the data that I need. I caught the disgust in Kara's eyes just in time to claw myself back from it. No, 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 not like, like, testing or anything. I just need him to speak to me. I showed her the EMF reader. My recorder works, or will work, using data from this. If I can get enough information about how vocalizations from spirits affect the readings on this, I think I can get the recorder to actually pick up Stephen's voice someday. Someday soon. Sooner, if I can talk to him now? Kara hesitated, exchanging a glance with Lynn. That kind of glance. You know the one with someone you love? Someone you know as well as you know yourself. You lock eyes and you can have a whole conversation with only the slightest crease of the brows and the smallest widening of the eyes. It would be nice to hear his voice. Yeah. Lynn sighed. And they still looked wary, but they let me in. There were two kids in the living room, a little girl and a younger boy, and Lynn hurried off to shepherd them out of the room and away from the stranger they'd just let into their home, which, fair enough and Kara just hovered in the living room, waving me in. Stephen? She called out. It's safe, this... Sorry, what's your name? Leo, I told her. Leo Quinn. Leo's here to help. Can you let us know that you're here? There was a whiteboard hung on the wall near the couch. I'd barely noticed it before, but... Then the pen, stuck to the side of it, detached, held by invisible hands, and wrote in a neat old-fashioned cursive. Hi, Leo. I'm Stephen. I'm not sure what my face was doing, but Cora cracked up at it. Yeah, me too, she said. You get used to it. As she spoke, the writing on the board was being wiped away and the pen was raised to scroll new words. I've been told I'm an acquired taste. A delirious laugh bubbled past my lips. Sorry, I said. I'm just not used to the spirits I speak to being so... Uh... I fumbled for the word for a moment. Civilised? Kara offered, a sceptical look returning to her face. Maybe you should try treating them like people, then. I... I do, 
I scrambled to defend myself. I'm not a dispatcher. I'm just in admin. I've only spoken to two spirits so far, or at least only two on the job, and I've been nice enough, considering all the maggots and the hammers and whatnot. And where exactly is the bar for treating them like people over a better place? She asked. Not killing them on sight? Before I could answer, we both shuddered. That now familiar, static feeling whispering over my skin. I instinctively looked over to the whiteboard, which now read, Less of that, please? I was in shock. Because, I mean... Did he do that on purpose? That icy cold feeling in the air, was that like Stephen's version of calling out to us? He doesn't do that very often, Kara sighed. He doesn't like to draw attention to himself. So, okay, note to self, try not to completely lose it at this entirely new information that centuries of paranormal academia hasn't unveiled, that the creepy ghost feeling is an intentional choice. It's fine. I was fine. I like to think I kept my cool, or, you know, what little cool I had to begin with. While I explained to Stephen, who, by the way, was sitting in an armchair with a cushion on it, embroidered with the words, Stephen's chair. And I could only tell he was sitting in it because the little cushion was squashed down by his weight, which was just about the coolest thing I've ever seen. <clears throat> anyway, I kept it together while I explained what I was trying to build. I sat on the couch next to him, Kara perching nearby with watchful eyes as I took out the EMF reader and explained what I needed to collect to get the recorder working. When I finished explaining, he spoke. The EMF reader lit up, and it's tempting to say that the patterns were the same as those that I'd seen from the last two spirits, but that wouldn't be quite right. It's more like... With the last two ghosts, the lights on the EMF reader were weak imitations of what I watched in that house in Islington. This was a symphony of colour. The lights... I swear, glowing brighter than the cheap bulbs I bought for it should ever have been able to glow. The lights fluttered and sang and didn't for a moment hold steady or flicker out entirely. They just kept on rising and falling in that beautiful erratic rhythm. He talked for a long time. It's hard to imagine, really different kind of isolation to the others. He's here, he's part of the family in every way, but he can never be heard, never be truly seen. I just watched and waited while he spoke. And when the lights tapered away, we all just let the silence settle over us for a moment. Kara brushed a hand over her cheek a couple of times when she thought I wasn't looking. I think I get it. Even without being able to hear him speak... Just seeing the evidence there, knowing that he's speaking in the moment, it's... Well, it's not nothing. In the stillness, a framed photo caught my eye, beside the whiteboard on the wall. Is that you, Stephen? I asked, nodding at the photo, a black and white image of two smiling young men, both looking very dapper in tuxedos, raising champagne flutes but looking only at each other. 
the pen rose again to the whiteboard. On the left, yes, it read. Arthur is on the right. Kara cleared her throat. We found it online from a digitised archive of an old newspaper, she said. Stephen's obituary from the 70s, that's him and his... She hesitated before Stephen drew a little smiley face on the board and she laughed. Stephen and his partner, Arthur. The photo was taken at some high society fundraiser in the 50s. Arthur outlived him by a few years and Stephen thinks that's why he's stuck here. He couldn't leave Arthur behind. I was beginning to feel my own eyes swim with tears, which felt distinctly unscientific, but I couldn't see myself putting a stop to it any time soon, so I stood faster than necessary. I thanked Stephen for talking to me, and Cara gave me her number so that I can call her when I get the recorder working, and I just went straight home and absolutely poured over the data. The data didn't make me cry, at least. The data didn't have a tragic lifelong love only to be trapped for nearly five decades in a house alone with only the memory of that love. The data didn't finally find happiness in the form of two women who love each other and their kids. A found family willing to accept the data. Queer solidarity for the data who loved a man in the 50s who now gets to see how much the world has changed for people like us but doesn't get to live in that world with the man that Data loved? You know? The Data just needed inputting. So I did that last night, instead of thinking too hard about all that other stuff. There was a lot, at least. I really think it's a huge step in the- Jesus, Riley. I thought you were Frank. You scared the life out of me. Should I be complimented or offended? It'd be nice to radiate medicine-directed daddy vibes. Never say the word daddy in relation to Frank ever again, I'm begging you. Or at all, preferably. Oh, he's not. You know, is he? Nah, he's out. He's gone for the day. Excellent, then. Time for you to skive off early. We are going down to that cocktail bar down the road. Come with us. Depends who we includes. Well, me. Plus a bunch of people who you don't know because you have all the social skills of, you know, one of those, like, shaky little rescue chihuahuas that hates men and loud noises. I that's... I, I take... No, that's pretty Yeah, accurate, we're taking the actually. new girl for drinks. Wait, the new girl? Yep. New dispatcher? Hannah's replacement. I'm sure Frank was still doing interviews, like, yesterday. Yeah. She started today, did all the onboarding stuff with her, gave her a little tour of research. Her name's Julia. Huh. I had no idea she'd started already. Well, maybe if you got out of your fancy private office every now and then. All right, all right, point made. Let me just... Episode 3 of Tell No Tales, Part of the Family, was written and performed by Leanne Egan. You also heard the voice of Phil Thompson as Riley Matkins. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is to spread the word. Leaving us a rating and a review in your listening app of choice is a huge help. Or you can follow us on Twitter or Tumblr at TellNoTalesPod. Links and information about transcripts can be found in the show notes. Tell 
Tell No Tales is distributed by Wasting Company Time Productions under a Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Sharealike 4.0 International License. Thank you for listening. And remember, the dead don't bite. <laughs>